When Matt Damon and Tom Hanks lovingly look at each other, I, I thought, I guess I can get behind this. Okay. <laughs> the makeout was a bit much. <laughs> well, that's why they exposed themselves to that sniper. <laughs> Set a perimeter. Live from the Mundangerous Wedding Chapel in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 267 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about introducing romance elements into your game. But first, the party discovers a secret identity in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, the Heartbreaker is a warrior who knows love is a battlefield in the Character Creation Forge. I'm James Intercasso, and I love tabletop role-playing games. I've got a new podcast called Tabletop Babble that talks RPG advice, interviews, reviews, and news with some of the top names in the industry. The conversation is casual, just like it would be if we were hanging out at a convention or local friendly game store. Get a new episode each week at don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com or wherever podcasts are available for free. So Shane... Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we have a podcast together that we, we do. work on. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've been working on that uh, interminable project for about five years. How about you? <laughs> very, very, very long time. Feels longer. Uh, feels longer than quarantine, weirdly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but of course, we also have our own projects on the side. However, I think this might be the first time that we have both worked on the same project that is not this podcast. Uh, that. Actually, I think it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> well, Ishan, what is the project? It is the Skyjacks setting zine, volume one. Now available on itch.io from uh, the One Shot Podcast Network. Uh, this is the setting supplement for uh, the world of Sphere, which is the setting of the campaign podcast. Uh, so James D'Amato did most of the writing for it. Uh, you did the editing. I got it all organized. Um, uh a very t- jason robinson did the layout for it it's gorgeous uh and it is available on itch there's a lot of cool lore um all of it makes sense which is not something you can say about uh every lore book you might get from an rpg isn't there more stuff about skyjack shane uh yeah probably not <laughs> yeah no there is uh okay <laughs> i'm also helping out with the kickstarter for uh the skyjack soundtrack uh, with uh, all the original music that scores the podcast, uh, written and composed and performed by uh, Arnie Parrott, uh, putting that together into a digital album that is available on Kickstarter. Um, there's also a, an absolutely insane tier with, um, if you want it on vinyl, uh, that's the only physical way to get it. It's it's extremely expensive, but also vinyl is extremely difficult to make, so... Like, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's uh, like uh, I think fifteen or or twenty five dollars are the two different price points for it. It's uh, up to like twenty tracks, I think, on the deluxe version. Um, all kind of like jaunty sea shanty type tunes. You know, uh, the discerning audiophile knows that vinyl is the way to go. So if you're a true fan, I think you'd spring for the vinyl. Did you know? I know a lot of you are, are pretty young. Vinyl has two sides. That's that's true. Uh, I know this. Uh, also, did you know that it holds between 15 and 20 minutes of music per side? <laughs> we, we were very concerned we wouldn't be able to fit all the songs on there. That's not true. You can just get a bigger uh, record 
That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a limit to how big the arm on the record player goes. Ethan. <laughs> you can get an extender. It's not a problem. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's it's why it's called an LP. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. Uh, I didn't long realize long arm play. Right, a seven inch is like literally a single. I didn't know that. I did not <laughs> understand that when I went in. So, so it had to be a twelve inch. It's like a hundred and fifty dollars. It's extremely expensive because it's prohibitively expensive to make these things. But you know, they'll last longer than your CDs. That's true. Uh, if you if you check out the Kickstarter, there's a video on there that has uh, samples of four of the songs on the album. I made the music video, so you can see my video editing skills in a in a non unboxing format. Yeah, you can <laughs> thank our YouTube channel for those skills. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign? The Gates of Morning campaign is our fifth edition D and D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in southern Karnath, on the edge of the Mornland, the party is chasing a killer. Well, we're kind of more locked in Mortal Kombat with uh, the Polda, who is like the researcher spellcaster in charge of this facility. But, you know. She's definitely killed some people. Maybe not specifically the person you were looking for, although maybe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's using water from the Mornland in this underground facility to reanimate new kinds of terrible undead monsters. And she has activated an arcane apparatus, which caused dark water in nearby sarcophagi to begin to bubble as stitch zombies start to emerge. So, uh, most recently, uh, Zan threw a daylight grenade and uh, eliminated the darkness that the stitch zombies summoned. Uh, preventing them from teleporting or hiding, uh, and instead forcing them to rely upon their impaling claws that tear us to shreds. Bramble, the shifter bard, is able to bewitch one of the zombies, though, by drawing a glowing rune in the air. So it stares blankly uh, up at the ceiling, while the rest of the party focuses on the other zombie. And Warden, uh, still a bear, tosses Polda into the pool below the waterfall in an attempt to drown her. But the water then explodes with radiant light. Everyone in the area is thrown backwards as she breaks her bonds and rises slowly from the water to float in midair. Her eyes are aflame, and a ring of psychic energy tears her hood apart as it blossoms from her temples. And the party can now see that she's not a halfling at all but a human child. It is Hole, one of the refugees they saved on the day of mourning, and now a girl of about nine years old. Now Switch, the paladin, remembers how she dragged the little girl to safety after her mother was killed on the battlefield, and she tries to reason with this enemy, imploring her to recall that once upon a time they were friends. But Polda sneers at these words. I have always hated children, comes the cold reply, and she raises her hands as the room erupts into flames. It's a very Dark Phoenix moment here, and we'll find out what happens next, next week. She kills Cyclops, obviously. Right. (laughs) And no one is sad about that. (laughs) It's because he wears Oakley's. I'm sad about different Cyclops. It's just only not that one. Co- only cops and Cyclops were Oakley. <laughs> Cyclops is a cop. Come on. Come on. You know, Cyclops, also a snitch. 
That I believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey, Shane, today we're talking about romance. We are. Not that terrible a romance. No, a good one, hopefully. Probably a funnier one, most likely. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is a request from the Discord. We're talking about romance in your games. What does that that mean, Shane? It obviously, of course, means uh, interpersonal drama above the table. Uh, Yeah, um, unfortunately. (laughs) No, this this is introducing that interpersonal drama into the game right like the the romantic angle either intra-party between pcs or between um, a pc and an npc Um, i think importantly this may include sex either on screen or implied but definitely doesn't necessarily mean that right like this is about the emotion of romance not the act and this is distinct from other emotional bonds. I think there are a lot of games that leave out romance completely, but still dive pretty deeply into the reasons that characters might care about each other or, you know, feel like, you know, they're on the same page or have a lot in common with each other or, you know, would would die for each other, right? And that doesn't necessarily need to require someone to be in love with someone else. But if you do want to include that in your game, there's some things to think about because it comes with more challenges than most other emotional bonds. Yeah, I think everybody kind of understands like family, right? Like, or um, or like the attachment between siblings, right? But and, and people probably also understand romance. It's just that um, I think there's a lot more consternation associated with it, right? Like, it tends to be more challenging for people to talk about and to be open and honest with, um, just in broader life, and then that makes it therefore more challenging at the table. Yeah, no one ever gets squicked out. When someone's like, I'm going to defend my family. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Why? Gross. Please stop talking about that. (laughs) Right. So it's it's sensitive, right? Like it's 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 tread lightly subject matter. Um, You know, it might be inappropriate for your audience if you have kids at the table or adults that you don't necessarily know well. Um, Kids probably leave out, but teenagers, right? Like where people are like what phase of their life they're in like it may or may not be a great idea to even bring it up uh if you're gaming with your parents (laughs) like definitely bring it up yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and again this is might right like you can have a game that uh for kids that includes romance elements it's just something that you need to be careful with it also might be inappropriate for the particular environment that you're playing this game in or even this session in right are you in a crowded convention hall it may not be wrong to talk about romance, but you might have players who are just a lot more uncomfortable bringing that up in front of like all of these strangers. So maybe this session, you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, like likewise, a game store, right? Something that's a, a more intimate setting, but also mm-hmm. surrounded by strangers, right? Like I think um, role-playing, like the romantic angle can often be more personal to people and therefore maybe something they don't want to put on public display. Right. I mean, live on a stream, right? Usually you have people come together and say, what are the ground rules? What are the topics that we're potentially going to cover while we are live streaming a game and other people are watching us? Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have not gotten full consent from everyone to venture into romantic territory, that's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that consent is just the most important single baseline and it's probably something that needs to be renewed more often than not um Mm -hmm. you know like in the same way that we consent to going and killing monsters and we probably only need to do that at the beginning of the game when you signed up for dungeons and dragons that's good enough um i i think probably when the romance theme becomes you know primary to the narrative like 
that's a good time to go ahead and reestablish consent as well. Probably your character hasn't evolved or changed enough from the beginning of the game to not want to go kill monsters anymore, although I guess that's possible. Uh, but you can definitely change where you're no longer the lone wolf and you're more open to like these kinds of interpersonal connections. But you also might be, you know, a character who's now gone through trauma or, you know, um, has lived with uh, the rest of the people in the group long enough to know that they definitely don't want to explore those themes. Right. So just bring it, make sure you're bringing it up uh, early and often. Well, I think that's that's another good comment on on one of the challenges, right? Is like just because like you are willing to explore these themes um, doesn't mean that the game group is necessarily the people you want to do that with, right? Like this group of strangers at a convention or even like your game group that you see every week. Maybe that's not who you want to explore these themes with maybe you would prefer to do it with strangers on the internet um you know where it's a it's lower cost i mean we we have this simmering tension that i, I just don't want to explode <laughs> right <laughs> so i being aware of that interpersonal awkwardness um and and that sort of renewed consent i think is important too because you change as players over time right so maybe your character hasn't had anything that would otherwise like kind of make them disinterested through trauma or whatever but you have right if you're going through a breakup you probably don't want to be role-playing like the you know triumphant romance of the prince and princess or whatever right the the storybook fairy tale of uh of prince charming and and princess wonderful yeah and you know you've signed on to a game of lancer um i i didn't know we were playing you know mech pilots in love and and now here we are and i was just in this for like a fourth edition style skirmish game it's like you didn't read lancer at all <laughs> check the source material <laughs> <laughs> um and but but you know of course if you if you are playing a game of monster hearts then yeah it makes sense that this is um this is what I've signed on for and I'm more open to it. But but even in those instances, you're going to need to keep checking in with people just to make sure everyone's feeling okay. Yeah, and and this isn't like a, a thing that's like judgmental or prudish, right? Like not being up for the theme is, is like, that's fine, right? Like I accidentally watched Cruel Intentions with my parents. It was bad. I should have said no. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, they were going to watch Cruel Intentions and they offered to watch it with you, and you were like, yeah, yeah, why not? It was on HBO. Oh, okay. Um, and so, like, I had it on, and, like, at, you know, the beginning of it, right? And they walked in and were like, oh, this looks interesting. It's like Ryan Phillippe and Reese Witherspoon. And then I was like, oh, this is going terribly. I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> I didn't really know much about it other than, like, I knew about The Kiss, right? Because it won the MTV Movie Award. <laughs> it was a big, and big fail. And you weren't a big fan of uh, the the 17th century French novel Dangerous Liaisons? Uh, no, I had not yet read Dangerous Liaisons. <laughs> For the record, still have not yet read Dangerous Liaisons. <laughs> I recommend doing it with your parents. I will. Yeah, that that's the only thing that could be. I did finally see the John Malkovich version, by the way. I still find it odd when he's the object of uh, romantic pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> Except from himself. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so another reason that you might find romance angles in your games to be a challenge, it, it's often divergent from the core themes of a game, right? Like, is this game about killing monsters in dungeons, or is it about the people who go killing monsters in dungeons, or is it about the love between people who went and killed monsters in dungeons? Yeah, I think you get this a lot with, like, war movies, where 
you know, you're you're signing on to see a movie about like dying face down in the mud, and then suddenly, if there's a romance subplot thrown in, it it's jarring, and it can actually come across as cheesy or or even like irresponsible when you're talking about these other very intense themes. I see you saw Pearl Harbor. Uh, I I did no no I did okay. not. I did not. Well. <laughs> I saved myself from that one. But uh, when when Matt Damon um, and Tom Hanks lovingly look at each other i I thought i guess i can get behind this okay (laughs) the makeout was a bit much (laughs) well that's why they exposed themselves to that sniper (laughs) set a perimeter it's all right barry boswick had their back (laughs) another thing that i think historically we've run into with romance angles in rpgs is just that they've been gamified and extremely poorly so yeah, I I don't think this means that you can't or shouldn't gamify romance. I mean, I think it works perfectly fine for, you know, a GM who is running NPCs and, you know, a player wants to have a romantic subplot with one of these NPCs as a GM to just sort of like silently to yourself be like, all right, you did a nice thing for them. I'll put a tick mark in there. Oh, it looks like you've done like six of them at, you know, eight of them and no like huge screw up. Uh, maybe they'll, they will requite a romantic gesture right like that's just sort of an easy way of bookkeeping it on the back end although i wouldn't make it public um a lot of video games do this yeah but but in rpgs you end up with things like the book of vile darkness uh the book of erotic fantasy mm-hmm. yeah uh, or uh worse rpgs with acron acronymic titles that shall remain unnamed <laughs> right where like all of these things are playing up the like rote sexuality of romance um and in a way that like speaks more to the author and the person interested in it than it does necessarily about what anybody playing with it or what the characters themselves would be interested in. Yeah, it plays into some of the worst stereotypes about gamers themselves. Um, And in instances where there is a bit of truth in that stereotype, it sort of gives people permission to act out on their worst impulses in a game. Which is not necessarily what everybody has signed up for. And in, even in good games, right? Like this isn't just the worst game, like the, just taking the worst products on the shelf. Like Apocalypse World famously has sex moves. Um, in the first edition, they were very commodifying. <laughs> like they just kind of equated sex and romance. Um, and they were just a thing that you did to regain resources, which is, I don't know, pretty lousy for a lot of people who who don't have like great, I don't know, relationships like or, or don't have like great strength in, in that aspect of their life. I mean, it's a little red pilly, you know, it's, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a it's a little cruel intentions. There's there's, <laughs> there's some incel energy there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, things things like this can falsely equate sex and romance into essentially the the same uh, game resource. Uh, and of course, that resource is to be used and exploited to get something out of it for yourself. And and then it also becomes a thing that like the protagonists do to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like they inflict upon the world their will rather than like having a healthy and consenting kind of relationship to it. So it's like it's kind it's kind of rapey in, in its way. Like I know that isn't the intent, and and to say that about Apocalypse World is probably a stretch, but just that's like what you want to watch out for is like you know is is this a thing that's requited and like you know consented or is this a thing that's like manipulative and like destructive yeah 
I think in the same way that we want gamers and games to facilitate interactions between actual people that you can you can carry with you into the real world and have be healthy interactions you want romance and sex in a game to reflect that as well you don't sort of want to like train people to think about it in a way that's going to be unhealthy or even dangerous in the real world uh, and I also think I think probably people will sort of put a dividing line between romance with an NPC and romance with another PC because obviously, like like you said, Shane, if you are in sort of inflicting something onto the world, if you're trying to set up a romance with another PC, then you are inflicting it on literally another person at your table. Right. But even if it's an NPC in the game, the GM is the person running that NPC, and so you are, in essence, inflicting it on the, on the GM. So right. that is still something you need to look out for. Right, and that goes back to like the age-old trope of like you know sexually harassing the uh, the barmaid, right? Mm-hmm. Like the 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 person who's on the receiving that the actual person is the GM, right? Like it's inappropriate anyway. Like it's it's bad behavior for people, but even if it's I don't know role play character period appropriate, like you have to recognize the person who's on the receiving end of that is your GM. Um, they should have some buy-in into that behavior as well. Um, and then to like kind of summarize like a, a big theme of using romance as a subject matter is just you can run into a lot of challenges because you have insufficient player safety at your table or you have insufficient safety tools at your table, right? So players might not feel safe with that theme with that group of people. And then even if they do feel safe with that theme and that group of people, you might have not have the tools in place that allow them to continue renewing that safety. Yeah, you can have a lovely group that gets together and feels mature enough to open up the Book of Vile Darkness or the Book of Erotic Fantasy, and you're still going to have a bad game because those are bad rules. <laughs> <laughs> or because you don't have like lines and veils, right? Or you don't have like an X card, or players don't feel empowered to use them. Um, to right, say, and, like, and none of those books include any of that content. Right, right yeah, for real. Um, so like, I think that's a, that's just a baseline prerequisite. Like if you, if you don't have that in place, like one, I I think that should be there for every table, right? We've talked about that in the social contract, uh, twice now, I think we did two episodes on that. It's true. We did. Um, but also just like, especially if you're going into a theme like this where, you know, it, it, it can be touchy. Okay. So then let's talk about setting up those safeguards. First off, of course, is have a session zero. You should be doing this no matter what, romance or not. Session zero always makes for better games. Right, but session zero is where you need to make sure that you have the buy-in for that angle if it's going to be a a big theme. And you can kind of do that sort of renewed session zero if it comes up later, right? Mm -hmm. So, hey, um, there's this NPC, like... I think like there could be a cool plot angle here if you know you saved them from this predicament and and they did a nice thing for you like is there something more there would you like to play that out um cool let's like do a quick like you know pre-session zero like a 20-minute conversation at the table with everybody to say hey is this a theme we want to explore or not yeah i mean that can even happen in the game pitch you know here's the kind of game i'm thinking about running are you all interested in that there's there's going to be gushy stuff right right or you know i mean it could come up later right it could be an emergent theme too that like okay we should probably talk about this and make sure we want to continue on it or just ignore it and move a different direction right is this a kissing game (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, then you want to understand the depth of the buy-in within the game that everyone has agreed to play. And one way to do this is to look to TV and film rating, ratings, essentially, right? Like, it's not a binary opt-in of, yes, we will have romance in the game, or no, we will not have romance in the game. There are different levels. Is this PG, where, like, there will be a chaste kiss, and then we'll fade to black, and we won't talk about it, but everyone knows that, like, you know, you got lucky, and that's it? Yeah, or, like, your triumphant moment is holding hands, right? Because that's all you need like that that physical touch is that's it i mean for me i'm just gamifying the holding hands right aha my fourth hand hold i will spend <laughs> this on a special move <laughs> um if you want like a more of a pg-13 level you know you might have um more on-screen conversation but probably less shown right like you you might kind of um perhaps have more more sexual content referred to but probably not explicitly like role-played right right between the, the players but it might be clear to everyone that like clothes are coming off oh and uh you know it's pg-13 so you get one <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh and then of course r-rated or, or beyond you know you're, you're kind of loosening things up quite a bit um that that's where you're going to want kind of continual check-in to make sure that everybody's okay as you go um but that's sort of more opening it up to wherever imaginations take people and uh, an unlimited number of curse words obviously <laughs> but probably only one full frontal scene that's uh and three thrusts <laughs> you can also define it by genre you know it's sort of a shorthand that most people will understand hey we're gonna play this like a, a cw teen drama right so there probably will be romance between the characters or npcs and like maybe some making out and maybe like broken hearts but you know it's it's not going to get hot and heavy and, and we're not gonna like venture into too dark a territory yeah this is like you're saved by the bell right <laughs> like zach it's morris all sucked what zach morris sucked as a person <laughs> okay sure <laughs> but but like you get the like the slater jesse angle and the you know the screech and um and lisa, lisa angle mm -hmm. like you know, and it, it, like you play that out, you know that they have those feelings, but they don't necessarily like they don't act anything out. You know, they hold hands in the hallway and then they separate when the camera shows up. Uh, and once per season, you get a kiss. That's true. Probably with somebody they're not dating. That's how we keep it dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you monster. Uh, you can also go to like the, the primetime sitcom level, right? Where like you have you have romance it's, it's pretty open like it might be kind of more of that will they won't they um dating is a thing but you don't necessarily focus on the sex because the camera can't linger on it right so that's fine um you can have those kind of long-term relationships even um, but they get played more for either you know uh, emotional payoff or they get paid for frankly laughter yeah i mean seinfeld is 95 percent about dating and sex but it never happens on camera right exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, it could be something like an hbo prestige series where i mean almost anything goes you're basically looking at an r rating but all of it is to fuel the drama unless it's game of thrones oh uh, well that's just because you know when the gm gets tired and just wants to end the game <laughs> right <laughs> uh and then i think you you, you can go like the last stage is like full on Alfonso Cuaron. 
right? Where you're just like, this is a game about sex for sex havers having sex. And this is about love and the awkwardness of all of it. And uh, it's beautiful, but it's going to be awkward. Yeah. Quaron, like uh, the third Harry Potter movie was basically that. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> that serious black, so dreamy. Uh, all right. So no matter what game you're playing, talk about lines and veils, uh, which of course is that part of the social contract that you're talking about in session zero, where everyone basically says, you know, uh, what what is the limit that what what are the limits of my comfort in terms of this game uh, with this group, and what do we do? What is the mechanism by which we sort of like bring down the curtain? Uh, when someone in the moment is no longer comfortable talking about something or would like to just move on. Right. So your your lines are things that you will not introduce into the game under any circumstances. You won't allude to them. They don't exist. Uh, veils are exactly that point where you draw the curtain and say, we all know what happened, but we're not talking about it at the table. Um, and I think that's a lot of a lot of groups just by default put any type of sexual activity under that veil. And I think the level of romance is often sort of a debate of you know is the is the flirting okay or do you just say we flirted (laughs) right Right. i flirt uh equivalent to an 18 because that's what i rolled (laughs) very well good sir you flirt quite excellently (laughs) exactly we shall never talk about it But yeah, if you want to, if you want to get into it, right? You want to, you and the GM, you and another PC want to actually engage in the the actual flirting, and people have ahead of time said that they are comfortable with that, and that's what they want this game to be about. Then you go for it because that is within people's lines, within their boundaries, and isn't something that everyone's decided wants should be veiled. Right, um, and then I think it's also fair to note that like if you are a third party to that um, interaction. And are uncomfortable you should also veil right oh, like pro- probably you, like more, even more than the people involved right like i think you know when you start this and I've, I've been in those kinds of streams or um like you know online kind of one shots with people that like i might know but i don't know well where like you kind of like i think we're headed down this path hey you and me are we cool doing this and then it's like yeah i'm cool i'm cool and then everyone else it's like are y'all cool with us doing this? <laughs> and everyone is like, okay, yeah, fine, go for it, right? Or don't. Yeah, and I think this is sort of mechanically what we mean by continuing to check in, right? You checked in when you suggested the game in the first place. You checked in in session zero. You you know brought up lines and veils. You established them. And even in the moment, you can still check. You should be checking with people. You know, Read the room, but also actually ask, everyone fine with this? We're cool with moving on with this? Okay, great. And then you go in. And, and I think that's also a useful tool for you as a player if you're kind of going outside your comfort zone, um, mm-hmm. maybe in a game that's introducing romance and you, you haven't done that before. Or you're not necessarily like, you know, you're 100% on board, but you're not 100% like confident in it. Like it can be a good way to diffuse the tension of the scene by just like, hey, let's go back to something we all know and like have a mechanic for and like let's check in here. And then like, okay, take a deep breath. And like now we've all opted in. Like I can I can maybe do this. Um, I know for me, like I was awkward the first time that I had that kind of interaction in a role-playing game. Um, and I think it was because I I held James Intercasso's hand. <laughs> <laughs> Plus one handhold. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think there sometimes people feel like talking about this so much above the table and establishing so much up front can 
be a restriction and prevent you from role playing or prevent you from really diving into your character and like getting into the romance and getting swept up in it at a table. But I think it actually helps facilitate it because it helps everyone be more comfortable. Um, I think one of the important things that you can do in a role-playing game is sort of stretch your boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. You may not always start off being comfortable with romance at a table, but it might be something that you want to explore or a theme that you're interested in playing a game around or whatever. Having very clear boundaries about when you can stop, when when you can like tell someone else to stop, uh, when you can move forward knowing that you're not going to offend anyone else because we've already clearly established what everyone is okay with, facilitates the the story facilitates the drama and lets you know that you are venturing into you know safe territory while sort of taking risks in the game itself rather than actually at the table yeah i i suspect when people say it like gets in the way of like the drama or like the moment that um more often than not the moment is not what's happening in the text but it's the moment is the surprise of the other people at the table mm. um and that feels kind of manipulative actually it feels very manipulative I'm, I'm just not willing to say that that's every case um but certainly we've seen that with a major streamer who has now left the community when he did that exact thing to his players right um like that's the adam coble situation is he attempted to he put the surprise of the players ahead of their safety and mm -hmm. like did a extremely inappropriate you know on camera scene along these lines um but now he's not here anymore because he shouldn't be because it's it's harmful right and that's what you want to try to avoid so in order to do that start small when you're bringing it up right don't immediately introduce a, a true love scenario if you want people to, you know, actually act it out, right? As a background plot element, that's fine. Yeah, I, I like using romance as a motivator before you use it as the like source of the action, right? So before we frame it on scene, let's let's introduce it as the reason I'm I'm behaving this way, right? Like, you know, my wizard loves your bard. There's no way that I would let your bard be captured. I cast fireball, right? Like I will do something incredibly stupid because I will not let my true love be captured. Right. Uh, you're in a small wooden room. I don't care. Right. <laughs> you're in a uh, you're in a, a, a wheat mill. <laughs> oh God, that's basically napalm. That's basically napalm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, aerosolized wheat is very flammable. <laughs> Whatever. They're not taking him alive. I mean, if you look at something like The Princess Bride, which I think most people one would be like great movie really interesting sort of like rpg elements um but also obviously a love story um like wesley and buttercup kiss one time at the end of that entire movie but the entire time everyone knows that they're in love because of the way that they interact with each other the way that they they talk to each other right not necessarily um the like physical sexual actions that they take like there's nothing in there to make anybody even uncomfortable, but it's so very obvious how much they are in love. Right. And the the steps that they are willing to go to in order to protect the other. Yep, exactly. Which is, you know, the decision making that you're making in an RPG. Uh, and then I think another another kind of romantic through line that works really well in RPGs is that like the the primetime sitcom will they won't they right the ross and rachel the uh the pam and jim um like 
you never have to leave the will they won't they unrequited love phase right like you can constantly phase in and out of doing the thing that makes them love you and then doing the thing that reminds them why they hate you um and and you can you can leave the drama there forever um or you know at the end of the campaign you pay it off in like the last session or an epilogue or something like that where you find out like is this a comedy is it a triumph or is it a tragedy you know are they separate forever yeah i think that's an important point like romance doesn't need to stand on its own as as a genre like rom-com is a thing you can you can have romance but then bring in comedy elements you can have deep dark dramatic elements you can have a swashbuckling game with lots of lots of action adventure and have romance and that doesn't dilute those kinds of games it also doesn't make them any less romantic yeah and and also like rom-com is is the obvious source because that's where the ross and rachel came from and those are my two examples but like the will they won't they is like a major part of every romantic drama as well mm-hmm. right it, and maybe it's not the two core characters maybe it's the uh the third party temptation um but like it's always that question of testing the the romantic bond right? i mean it's like, every jane austen novel exactly <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, is like a prime example of telling and not showing. This is sort of one of the instances where that actually is a good idea. You can talk about the romance and you can talk around the romance and you can see the actions that stem because of the obvious romance without necessarily having bedroom scenes. Unless you want a game about bedroom scenes, which is also fine. Uh, we're about to talk about how we do it at our table and I'm realizing now that we have made Lancer into a Jane Austen novel. Of course we have. (laughs) (laughs) Why would we not have done that? And I hate myself a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) A Jane Austen novel starring a ninja, uh, a hot rodder, um, uh, a pyromaniac. Uh, A a noble duelist. (laughs) And uh, and two robots. Yeah, exactly. Two like robot people who drive robots. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how do we do romance at our table? So I I think... I, I think the first time we did this in our group, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, was at a, a Thrillicon, which is sort of our like game retreat weekend that we do each year. Uh, we played Be Gay, Do Crimes. Uh, and I believe that was the first time that we explicitly had any romantic angle in our games. Yeah, I think so. Like Because it, it was in the actual rule set. Um, yeah. Now, to give you a bit of background, you know, we have eight players, but most of us are married, and some of us are married to each other. Yeah, so. <laughs> we, we have a married couple and we have a dating couple like in our group. So half of our group are romantically involved with somebody at the table. So there are minefields of in having romance in the game, right? Where one, it's like I'm already married and you're married and now our characters are like having a, a detente, a romantic detente. But also you might be having a, a romantic scene with someone whose literal actual real life partner is also there at the table. But Be Gay, Do Crimes worked fine, I think, partly because it's a one-shot. It's a very simple one-page game. And, and it's a comedy game. Right. right? Uh, which which helps lighten the mood in general. Uh, but I think we just randomly rolled for our crushes. I think that's what the rules say to do and mm-hmm. like, let it play out, however. Um, which ended up in some pairings that were, I think, more awkward for some people than not. And we kind of all grinned and bared it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like... Uh, and it, I mean, it turned out to be a really fun, like funny game. Now I want to play Be Gay, Do Honey Heist. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Honey Heist is Be Gay, Do Crimes, but with bears. But bears, right. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, and you know, we're a group that has been together. I mean, most of us have been have been playing together for like nine years. The group came in, into its final form like four years ago. So we already have enough uh, connection with one another that when people were a little uncomfortable, you know, you sort of look around the room and you're like, all right, I'm fine with this. You know, we rolled it randomly. Let, let's just see where this goes because we're just going to have a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happened with Lancer. I don't think any of us uh, read the the random table detail enough to recognize um, that this was an element of Lancer, but it, it totally fits the like source material of like the, uh, the mecha anime. Right. Um, but there's, you know, in the random table tables at character generation, there's like, there's romantic angles, right? Like that can be your relationship to other um, player characters. And, and so we ended up rolling actually several and we had to like dial it back because it was, just by coincidence, turning into like a CW cesspool before we even started. Right. Like I think there are, it's a D20 roll. So there are 20 different options for the bond that you can have with someone else. Like you roll the bond. So you know what the bond is. And then, you know, you pick someone else at the table or they volunteer and say, I'll have that bond with you. But I think one of them was you have a crush on someone like someone else. And we rolled it three times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, like we now that is, I think, for two of our characters, we have that bond, um, which is just played out as like uh, that motivator. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, she does something um, in response to or like, you know, the, the crush, the object of the crush will do something that is like deliberately like off putting. And and then the motivation is. Well, I can't help it, but I find it attractive or, he, <laughs> or, you know, the, he'll do something noble and like, you know, forthright. And it's like my heart melts, you know, and, and like, that's all it is. It's just kind of the jokes. Right. And then we play up the, will they, won't they angle of like, um, are they going to ever confess that they care about each other or will they just continue being selfish, you know, jerk offs in their, in their own hyper Lancer fighter pilot minds. Right. Or does it become like a, a, fun love quadrangle a la speed racer essentially it's kind of becoming more of a maverick and goose i think <laughs> in that in that it's very will they won't they won't they but we haven't played volleyball yet so we don't know soon i mean we we did just start arena combat in pilot suits so i think <laughs> right. volleyball is definitely a thing that could happen <laughs> um i think just more generally like in other games i think our default uh like play style is probably more like I would say aggressively asexual characters like we we deliberately avoid trying to define anything or, or introducing it into the game. We don't even usually play characters who show any romantic interest in an NPC. Right. Romantic, sexual or anything. Right. Pretty much nobody is like, oh, is the person at the bar hot? Right. You know, that, that really that barely even shows up. It doesn't even really register what whatsoever. Yeah, like occasionally you'll have the uh, like spouse who's back home while you're doing whatever. Um, but even that, I think, is pretty rare. Like most people tend to be married to the job. <laughs> well, and also, you know, family members die. Right. Yeah. No liability. Um, but I will say we are also aggressive about our very bad. That's what she said in phrasing jokes um, out of character. Anytime anything happens in that regard. Absolutely. That's really what we're here for exactly that's what an rpg is it's just uh just a setup for that's what she said but outside the group um i remember i played a mutants and masterminds game back in the day that took place in superhero high school which of course 
one when you say hey i, I want to run a superhero high school game that means there's going to be romance and also we'll have superpowers and won't that be dope uh so that's exactly what we did and you know my character um ended up with uh, another uh, an npc having a, a crush on him because he was doing the hero thing and like saved her life during some sort of like sentinel attack on the school um and i think it was actually it started off a little uncomfortable for me and i didn't voice it because that wasn't something that i had really knowledge about um until I got to know the the GM better, because of course they're playing this person who had a crush on on my character. But then you know when we sort of like sat down, just had this like the the briefest of conversations about like where is this going to go, or like what are what are her intentions, and like what are the things that you're interested in happening in this game. And he was like, "Oh, I mean, it's what, whatever you want. Like if you want if you want to drop this entirely, I have no problem doing that. Or it can basically just be like she has a puppy dog crush on you. That's what I'm going for." And I was like, "Oh." I'm totally on board with that. Let let's go for it. This could this could be fun. I also have a uh, a superhero romance experience. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I I don't know why you'd play superhero games and then not introduce some romance. I that's perhaps the only part of superheroes I identify with now. I guess. Uh, but yeah, mine was also superhero high school because it was masks. Mm-hmm. So, um, and similar similar kind of thing where uh, it was me and and James and Tricasso, like our two characters had like a you know puppy love kind of bond um and it culminated with us i think we were like launching into space for our mission and like you know nervously in a rock like strapped to a rocket uh like my character reached out and held his character's hand <laughs> like that was the uh that was the fireworks moment of the one shot yeah masks uh i think is is pretty good system for this to happen in simply because the genre is so steeped in romance and teen romance um but the system itself also, the Powered by the Apocalypse system really ties characters together with the the bonds and moves and actions that they can take. Well, speaking of romance-themed games or games that uh, do that well, um, would be difficult to not mention uh, another Powered by the Apocalypse game, uh, Monster Hearts, uh, now on its second edition, so Monster Hearts 2 by Avery Alder. Um, that is... Uh, basically your CW drama powered by the apocalypse where you are playing um, different types of monsters, right? So vampires, loving werewolves and and such. Yeah, and each of those monsters is an archetype for the kind of personality that you might find in a high school. So even if you don't know the monster or you're not familiar with the monster, you're probably familiar with the archetype or vice versa. There's also Starcrossed by Alex Roberts, which I think won a Diana Jones Award and probably several Ennies. Uh, it's very good. It's kind of um, sexual tension. The RPG, I guess. It's it's about um, it's about two people who have a deeply like intimate bond, but can't act upon it for whatever reason. Right? Doesn't necessarily have to be romantic, but you know, could be pro- professional or um, honor bound or something like that. Where um, it's kind of playing out scenes of of how that torments the two of them. So Starcross Lovers, that's the source of the title. Does everyone die at the end when they didn't need to die? Not always. If they were just the tiniest bit patient? If they didn't plan poison into their escape plot, maybe that would be a better idea. (laughs) Wait 10 seconds for them to wake up. Come on. (laughs) Also, I blame the priest. Anyway. Uh, And then there's Romance Trilogy by Emily Kerr-Boss. Yeah, so this is three different games kind of rolled into one. Um, Breaking the Ice is a game about like uh, 
like first dates and like a, a new relationship. Shooting the moon is a love triangle. Um, and then under my skin is a um, like a, a LARP style game um, where a circle of friends start falling in love with the wrong people um, or each other. Shane, did you say LARP romance? Yeah, I know. Isn't that a relationship? I know. <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, throwing bean bags and yelling out sex moves. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We we left out uh, our um, world of darkness, didn't we? <laughs> With good reason. Um, and then, if you want something that is uh, a little more like crunchy, I, I guess uh, Blue Rose is the um, fantasy romance genre game um, using Green Ronin's age system. So that's the fantasy age and the um, uh, dragon age, right? Yeah, that's the franchise. Um, but that's their, yes. like they use that as their, you know, fantasy monster slaying system. Uh, it's been adapted back to um, more of a romance angle for uh, Blue Rose. And then I'd say that, you know, if your primary interest in playing a game is the romance element, you don't even necessarily need a game system that incorporates it, right? Because so much of that interaction and that experience is going to be based around the sort of intense interpersonal role play between two people at the table. And you don't need rules uh, or numbers or even dice to necessarily facilitate that. You can put them into or on top of any game that you're currently playing as long as ahead of time you set up your boundaries, your lines and veils, you've got your X card ready so that everyone basically has like this sort of safe playground where you can kind of do whatever you want and see where it goes. And sometimes that ends up in the most rewarding storylines. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan? It's the, that's the sound of ice, ice cracking as I toss it into a glass. No, no, it's my cold, cold heart finally beginning to melt. Well, let's move on to the character creation forge and heat it up in a crucible. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPT Cast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at TotalPartyThrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So this episode of Total Party Thrills brought to you by Kobold Press and Deep Magic for 5th edition D&D. Deep Magic is a book of more than 700 new and amazing spells with spells added for every spellcasting class. And none of them make anyone fall in love with you. Because those are terrible spells. Even a genie can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there are also dozens of new subclasses and 16 divine domains, uh, ranging from beer to speed and beyond. There's dark magic for villains, including blood magic, void magic, infernal magic, mythos magic, and more. And twists on familiar magic such as fireball, charm person, and raised dead. Plus dozens of new familiars and arcane servants to do your bidding or, you know, do your scouting. So you can find out more at koboldpress.com and tell them DSPN sent you. All right, so this week in the Character Creation Forge, we have the Heartbreaker Shane. What is the Heartbreaker? I, of course, have never had my heart broken. The Heartbreaker has love like a tidal wave, is an invincible winner, a dream maker, and a love taker who sets souls on fire. I see someone went to junior prom. <laughs> well, that would be your junior prom. <laughs> Mine, I think, would be the Mariah Carey version. <laughs> All right, what's the build? 
So to do this, we I, I wanted to focus on these spells that were going to give us these abilities. So we have things like Dream, Tidal Wave or Tsunami, uh, Invulnerability, Feeble Mind, Fast Friends, Fireball, Hold Person. Uh, which leads us to Rogue 2, College of Lore Bard 18. What a trickster. All right, from two levels of road, we've got expertise. Deception, of course, because if you are breaking hearts, you're probably lying. Or persuasion, because, you know, you're trying to get people to do things. Right. Leverage. Leveraging their love. Uh, you'll also get sneak attack, because nobody ever sees the heartbreaker coming. And cunning action, which will let you hide in shadows when you need to make your escape. Or run away very quickly when you're getting chased down. <laughs> right. I, I wanted to get fast hands into this build, and I just couldn't pull it off. <laughs> All right. From Lore Bard, I mean, you get everything because bards are great. You'll get uh, Bardic Inspiration Die, D12, Jack of All Trades, because you're good at everything when you need to be, and Song of Rest, another D12. Um, you know, a lullaby to lure your lover to sleep. Uh, level three, uh, you'll take College of Lore. You'll get three more skill proficiencies and cutting words. Of course, that's one way to break hearts is just tear them down from the uh, from the outside, uh, as well as two more expertise skills. At level six, you get Counter Charm, which lets you save your love from the beguiling influence of someone else who's trying to break their heart. Can you that, believe it? Right, yeah. This seat's taken, okay? I mean, it's musical chairs. I'll be moving on soon, but right. still, for now, right. it's taken. <laughs> Uh, as you'll also get your first magical secrets, which we will take fireball to uh, uh, to set the uh, the target's soul on fire, um, as well as tidal wave, uh, which is you know what your love is like. I'm a materialist. I of course believe the soul resides within the body, which is why I set people on fire. Okay, <laughs> literally. <laughs> you get two more expertises. Uh, at 14, you get magical secrets. What are some good options for that? Uh, I like Soul Cage, you know. Um, I, this Very is literal. Nec necromancy spell. But yeah, you know, you <laughs> trap them, heart and soul. Uh, and then I also like Power Word Pain. Not normally a spell that I would ever recommend, but, you know, it just it just feels like the right thing for a heartbreak. It just hurts, you know? Yeah. Think of the damage you can do with a single word. And the word doesn't need to be pain, right? It can be never. It could be three words. I love you. Or four words, I still love you. Ooh. Or two words, I don't. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then at level 18, you'll be able to take ninth level spells with your magical secrets. So we will take Tsunami uh, and Invulnerability. Because as you as you may recall, you're an invincible winner. <laughs> Nothing Got a heart in your heart. Exactly. Uh, and then, of course, we'll want to upgrade our Tidal Wave because Tidal Wave is kind of underwhelming at that point. All right, what about leveling up? Uh, we're taking it straight through. Uh, two levels of Rogue, 18 levels of bard i know we're running out of time here but heartbreaker is a is a word that has uh, lots of song titles so i went through and i went ahead and ranked them you should tell me where i'm wrong you can't okay oh well mm, mm. okay heartbreakers ranked number one led zeppelin number two dion warwick number three mariah carey featuring jay-z number four pat benatar the source of this one number five dirty honey number six tom petty and the Number seven, Cash Page. Number eight, Mastercraft featuring John Legend. Number nine, Alabama Shakes. Number 10, Justin Bieber's Heartbreaker. Uh, way down at the bottom, number 999, Getting Hit by a Bus. And last but but certainly least, the Bee Gees. I would like to see Elton John somewhere on this list and probably Ani DeFranco. Yeah, but, but they're, you know, they're somewhere list. after the top 10. <laughs> mm, mm, 
Okay, they might be ahead of Justin Bieber and Elevator Shakes. I actually really hate those two songs. There's also um, Michael Jackson had a song called Heartbreaker in 2001 that was also actually pretty good, but you know, it's like he's been canceled. Yeah. All right, before we wrap up, let's take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to support the show and help other people find us. If you do that, we will read it on the air. And what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about world-shaking events. And in the Character Creation Forge? We're building the Shock Jock. Well, that's it for episode 267 of Total Party Thrill. I hope you lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening.